Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here with Marcia Dasko. She is the um, principal and executive of Marcia Dasko and Associates. She began working with um, management consulting firms to help market them back in the 80s. And in 1994, she started her firm. Now she speaks and teaches executive teams and her MBA students a new way to think about leadership without management fads and best practices. She resides in Silicon Valley, but she spends most of her life in airports. When she's here, she co-founded the Bay Area Deming User Group that met monthly for 14 years, and then co-founded a nonprofit called Into End Thinking, which had an annual conference for another 16 years. So she's been at this for a while, must have started as a child. She has a new <laughs> leadership book, Pivot, Disrupt, Transform, which was just released a couple of months ago, and we're going to talk about that today. So welcome, Marsha. Thank you, Linda, for having me, and I'm excited to have a great conversation about leadership. Excellent. Good. So I want to talk about your book, Pivot, Disrupt, Transform. That's kind of a provocative topic. Why did you why did you write the book, and, and why is that the title? I wrote the book because over my 25-plus years now of consulting and um, helping leaders learn uh, and apply new thinking about leadership and how to transform their organizations, I wanted to pull together the messages and what I had learned kind of in one place so that I could easily hand out a book to my executive teams, process improvement teams, clients, MBA students, um, leaders in any sector, whether it be at the Pentagon or nonprofits or in education or in small or huge Fortune 500 corporations. This book is a foundation for any of them. Excellent. And why did you give it this title? This title is, well, it, my focus has always been about personal and organizational transformation. And then we we find that over time, words like innovate and transform become these buzzwords, but part of it is we just need to get people's attention and pivot and disrupt. That's exactly what happens with people who are trying to transform. So it was to get that attention and then to go deeply in the book through stories and through examples of um, how to think differently about concepts, especially our our organizations are full of management fads and quote-unquote best practices that are leading people into struggles and decline and eventually failure. So it doesn't matter if it's a small organization. Maybe we have, for example, in Silicon Valley in the Bay Area, we have more than 6,000 startup companies, more than 90% of them we anticipate will go out of business. Right. And even in the Fortune 500 companies, 
the list that came out in about 1955, more than 65 more than 65% of those have now disappeared. So it doesn't matter if an organization is small or large, any of them can disappear quickly or slowly and painfully, but we need to challenge what is going on in uh, people's the leadership thinking and then what they're doing. So taking a look at the uh, practices that are going on in companies and and getting them to, and that's why I divided up the book into three parts. And the first part is stop. Stop doing these management facts and best practices and start challenging the um, assumptions and beliefs that you currently have. If you're not challenging everything, then you're you're pro- probably on your way out of business. You know that's that's a good a good place to start there. So you talk you start out by saying stop. And most of the time when we hear about management leadership, they want to tell us to start something. So why yeah. are we start starting why are we starting with stop? Um and what you know because I I think it makes sense, but um, it must kind of be a little bit of a surprise to some of your clients when they say the first thing I want you to do is stop doing things. So tell me about yeah. some of the types of things you want them to stop doing. I want them to stop holding individuals accountable for the results of a system. I want them to stop giving performance appraisals and ranking and rating and judging and criticizing people for the problems that they're having with the system. And I want them, because that demotivates people, increases the turnover rate, um, decreases retention, and then they wonder why people come and go so fast. I worked with one company that had a 50% turnover rate per hour. That's like yeah. McDonald's. So, God, I mean, you know, and people flipping hamburgers, even they don't have that yeah. high turnover. Yeah. Exactly. That was one of my first jobs in between college years when I first came to California, and I had a blast. We had such a fun team, but and they did excellent training, so that's a that's a plug for McDonald's, I guess. But um, the the reason for the stop is that we have these these bad practices internally that are demotivating people that are that are getting the whole organization is struggling and declining and they're just frustrated and one CEO client of mine told me Marsha I've had the same problems for more than 10 years and then I asked you to come in and work with us and you know in a matter of months we see why we've had the same problems and now we are actually able to think about we can solve these problems we can improve we can innovate we can transform our organization so they're going through a big disruption in their thinking and that's where it starts because they stop is if they don't stop doing the the bad practices that hurt people and hurt their bottom line and hurt their profits if they don't stop those things then it's like putting fresh strawberry jam on moldy bread. Ugh. So they've got all the moldy bread. Yep, and you can cover it up, but it's still moldy. Yep. Yes, nobody yeah. wants to eat it. So no, it's, it's kind of sometimes it's, it's sort of like um, calling someone's baby ugly, right? You know, if I've done something, yeah. I've built a team. How do you get people to stop without kind of making them take it personally? Because we focus on what they're trying to accomplish. 
So that's the first question. What's your compelling purpose? And yep. once people understand what the compelling purpose is and they they band together to work on that in order to improve their work and serve customers, it's really powerful. And that's basically the foundation. What are yep. we trying to accomplish to support each other, to serve customers, and make a difference? So what what are our differentiators so that we can serve our customers? And then how do we get everything in our organization to flow? That's the work, the communication, and the information. So it's not just workflow, but it's all of the above, and it's about people working together. That sounds great. How about, can you share a story or two, maybe when you did this and how leaders uh, disrupted their thinking and then what happened? Give us an example. Okay. Um, There was one uh, company owner that called and asked me to help because he had a list of problems. He shared the problems with me over the phone. He said, can you help? And I said, well, we'll have to see. So he wanted me to take the help him take the company from 30 to 35 or 40 million. I went in, saw a very toxic environment, saw turnover at about 40 40 to 50% a month, saw people blaming and criticizing each other, um, saw no processes, no management team, um, no effective communication. So I pulled together a management team. We went off-site for a cult couple of days, and I taught them through exercises, through experiences, how to think um, differently, how new concepts, systems thinking, statistical thinking. Once I was able to teach them some of those things, um, they transformed in those two days. And then they, when they left, they had a management team that was beginning to come together They were focused on key business issues that we prioritized and focused on. We started creating systems and processes. And bottom line, we went from 30 million to 300 million. So we totally surpassed any, because we transformed the company and even and over the over the first couple of months, their turnover rate went from 50 percent to almost zero because then out in the industry, people heard about what was going on there, that things were changing, that there was new thinking with the leadership, that people were working together, old employees wanted to come back and so forth. So that's one. That's fantastic. Now, when you said his initial goal is to go from 30 to 33 or 35, that almost sounds like, eh, you know, that's not much of a change. So you, you obviously changed his thinking to think bigger, and they went to 10 times that, which is just huge, plus lower turnover. And we hear a lot about language of failure, so I presume there was some failure language that was going on there. Tell me a little about the language of failure, and when you go in and you transform someone, is there a language of success that you can re- replace that with? Yes. The language of failure is always about criticism and um, blame and let's cut costs and uh, the bottom line and um, layoffs and turnover and it just goes on and on and it in, in inside the organization there is the 
the people cannot communicate in a healthy way. So they, you go from that thinking about manipulating data and losses and stress and um, blame and let's reduce this and eliminate this. And there's lots of fear, lots of mistakes. And we shift over that thinking so that instead we're talking about what what's our compelling purpose? How are we trying to serve? Let's have fun. Let's explore. Let's have joy in work, joy in learning, um, education. We're going to be catalysts for making a difference. We're going to embrace uncertainty and create the future. We're going to innovate. We, we're going to be curious, unique, bold, take risks. So that is that is the shift because we're thinking about um, working together. People aren't sitting at their desks focused on their um, computers. They're they're engaging in robust conversations, maybe in conference rooms or looking at process flow charts, thinking about the future and opportunities, what they need to improve. Many times um, in organizations, pe uh, people talk about change and pe they say people are resistant to change. They are not resistant to change, they're resistant to the unknown, the fear of the mm. unknown. So change creates a lot of fears and change um, when it's shifted to sh shift the use of the word change to the word improve. People aren't resistant to improving, but they are resistant to change if they don't know what they might lose in the process. Oh, that makes sense, because I don't want you to come in and change things, even if you want to rearrange the furniture, right? Why are you changing yeah. things just to change them? But if we talk about how we can improve versus the company improve, now I'm part of the process. But one of the things I know you right. talk about um, disrupt. People don't necessarily like being disrupted, right? If I'm doing things a certain way and now you come in and disrupt things, how do you kind of make this change happen without – me, the employee, feeling like, oh, someone's coming and, and turning everything upside down on me. Yes. The disruption is a reality. So um, leadership has to think about if we're not disrupting ourselves, then someone else may come and disrupt us. It's like the story of Kodak. Kodak didn't want to see that they were going to be disrupted, so they kind of you know, went down the slide all the way because yep. they just couldn't believe anybody would dare disrupt Kodak. Right. So, they, and they were the best said, in film, and the fact that nobody wants to yeah. use film anymore was sort of lost on them. Yep. Exactly. So instead, um, the the organization working, to, learning, and working and improving together, they will be the ones that will disrupt. So they don't see it so much themselves as being disrupted if they take the leadership position because they're leading together and they're learning and improving together. So the end result is disruption, but in their minds, the, that disruption is all positive because they've got the language of success working for them. They're thinking forward. They're thinking about opportunities and possibilities and what if we do these things together to serve customers and new markets better 
then that's how the disruption happens. So I love that because rather than trying to figure out how we kind of go in the circle clockwise instead of counterclockwise, we're trying to make things better and bigger and kind of get people excited about that, which I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, Now, uh, here's a question, though. You would, I, I think this would all be kind of motherhood and apple pie, right? This is what leaders want to do, and certainly they probably start out with wanting to do this, but then they seem to get caught up in all this complexity, and they yes. end up struggling and failing, going around that circle and, and, and never getting anywhere. Why do you think that happens? You hit the nail on the head with the word complexity. What happens is most leaders, business owners, founders – start with a compelling purpose. They start with a a vision of how they want to make a difference and how they want to serve their customers and what great products or services they want to um, put out in the marketplace. But then what happens is, um, for example, let's say the company gets 10 employees or 20 employees that, oh, now we have to bring in HR. And HR brings in best practices and management fads and those performance appraisals and merit pay. Mm. And then we get a a salesperson that comes in from somewhere and that person believes in incentives and commission structure and um, merit pay. And, you know, you go on probation if you don't hit your quotas and so forth. And all of those practices are out there, but they don't add any value in creating a powerful team that can work together to do great things and serve customers and, and markets. So, so that, that's that sounds great. That, yeah, that yeah so one of my questions is, is if you blow away that, yeah. I'm saying, if you blow away all of the um all the processes and you know performance incentives and you know, and you know performance reviews and incentives and commissions how do you figure out how to compensate people? I mean, you can't just say, gee, here's Marsha, let's give her 10%. There has to be some kind of process somewhere. So what do you there put is. in instead? So if you go back to look at that compensation as a system and don't put all the complexity on top of it, what you're going to do is you're going to look at market value. You're going to look at um, location, um, what we would pay, for example, in – um, San Francisco is not what they're going to pay in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and so you look at um, the market rate, you look at the location, you look at experience or seniority knowledge, basically, and you have only a few criteria and that you take, you pay people fairly for doing a great job and then you don't put you don't link their performance to their compensation because and that that is sounds very like it's revolutionary oh God, everybody does it yes everybody yeah. does it that way and the focus is on and this book is about don't do it the way we've done it in the past there's a better way there's a better way to lead there's a better way to create systems and processes there's a better way to compensate people. There's a better way to um, recognize people, appreciate them, um, create an environment where there's joy in learning and joy in work. And it's a it's a mindset shift, um, but it's also what 
my, one of my mentors um, taught me, Dr. W. Edwards Deming, was invited to go to Japan after World War II at the invitation of General MacArthur. And mm-hmm. he told the Japanese, if you learn and apply what I'm wanting to teach you, you can become a global competitor. And we saw that happen. We saw Absolutely. Japan wipe out industries. And it was because Dr. Deming's philosophy of management was about um, these concepts I'm talking about. So in in my book, I say, okay, we have to stop doing these management fads. Number two, we need to start learning about a foundational theory of management. And then um, part three is we need to transform. So we need to apply that new thinking and those new principles. That makes sense. So we're just talking to Marsha Dasko. Marsha is the author of the new book, Pivot, Disrupt, and Transform. And this is fascinating. We go on all day, but we've, we've got to kind of wrap this up. Um, so, Marsha, if, if there was one thing that you wanted to tell people where they should start, is it to start with stop? I mean, it's kind of hard to, to do that. But where should I start if I'm thinking about these things and, and want to make some improvements? What's the first thing I should do? I would suggest um, sitting down with a good cup of coffee and beginning to read the, the first few chapters. And because those chapters focused on stopping what you're currently doing, will also share why you should stop and will share what what different ways that you can think. And it's really um, – Freeing, uh, people feel like, oh my gosh, I was doing these things for so long and I've always struggled and now I understand why and I don't have to do them anymore. I can give up the old way and adopt a better way to think, to lead, to make a difference with people, to develop my, my staff and so go forward with a much happier, more successful focus. That's fantastic. Let's uh, find a better way, and I think there's certainly room for improvement. Marcia, can you let us know, if people wanted to find out more about you, where should they go? Uh, they can find out more at my website, which is mdashko.com, M-D-A-S-Z-K-O.com, and the book is available on Amazon and at um, bn.com or in um, – or in Barnes & Noble bookstores, some of those also carry it. Fantastic. So I guess I would begin there. All right. Thanks very much. We've been talking with Marcia Dasko. Again, she's the author of Pivot, Disrupt, and Transform. Thank you, Marcia. It's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you, Linda, and Happy New Year to everyone. Great. You too. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.